Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Good morning. Today, we have the wonderful Lori Ferguson Wilbert, and uh, she is new to me, a new author, and she is great. I have been crying through her book this week. I just told her I don't want to cry in this interview, but it's a wonderful book. I didn't know it would be for me, Lori. I thought mm-hmm. it would be for uh, several people on my list, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it may still be. Lori, tell us, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you um, and what you do and who you are. And then we're going to talk about this great book. Yeah. I love that you say what you do and who you are, because those are often two different things, aren't they? Yeah. And that's what gets us into trouble. Yeah. That we um, mesh them together and we yeah. think, oh, we're, we, might, we must not be much because I don't do this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Who I am, man, I mean, this might sound trite, but I am loved. I'm loved by God. And that that really is the fuel for everything that I do, which um which is how you ended your book. Hmm. So hopefully we'll get to You're that. You're giving part. away the ending. No, no. It's <laughs> I don't want to say anything because I have it at the end, but go ahead. You are loved. Yes, who else? I, yeah, I'm loved by God. Um, I'm a writer, I'm a wife. Um we live in upstate New York in the beautiful Adirondack region. Um, we have no children, but we do have a lovely puppy oh. who's not really a puppy anymore. She's, you know, almost seven, but what kind still, she's a delight. She's a soft coated Wheaton Terrier. So, Whoa. Soft coated. You mean, are they usually prickly? Uh, no, actually soft coated Wheatons are their Their coats are very soft. They feel like stuffed animals. No, I meant if, in contrast to the soft-coated, are the other terriers prickly? Gotcha. So terriers <laughs> typically have like pretty wiry coats. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they are, they're very soft. Soft-coated. And how big? Yeah. Oh, she's probably, I don't know, 40 pounds. Okay. We have a combination um, Rottweiler German Shepherd who is uh, cr- probably scratching at the door because she likes to be by my side. <laughs> she does. And about 90 pounds. So she yeah. can't be oh, anywhere. Wow. Yeah, because she likes to scratch on me. Uh, it makes too much noise for the microphone. Okay, you have written a couple books. The first one was what? Handle with Care. Oh, um, I love that title. Yeah, it's about how Jesus, the subtitle is it's kind of a mouthful, how Jesus redeems the power of touch in life mm-hmm. and ministry. Um, and then this most recent one is A Curious Faith. Uh, the questions God asks, we ask and wish someone would ask us. Right, which we will be talking about. But I did read the part about how your book, the first book came out, which was about touch right when COVID hit. <laughs> yeah, it literally <laughs> came out. Like- I mean, I'm still asking people in the store last week, this old, old friend, the mother of a friend of my daughter's said, Sue Donaldson. Of course, her hair was completely white now. Um, and so I hardly, hardly recognized her. And I go, oh, do you hug? And she goes, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hey, that's a good question to ask anyway. I think if um, one of the things, one of the uh, points that I make in the book is that we can ask that question. Uh, We don't have to just assume that people want to hug or don't want to hug. 
So I think right. the pandemic really helped us to, right. but in, in the very beginning, it was a little, a little tough to release a book about touch. Well, my mother-in-law, um, bless her heart now in glory, would say to me, oh, we're not huggers. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the German slash German Norwegian Iowa side. I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah. I didn't think I was a hugger until I met her. So I think I'm compared to her, I'm a hugger. But I say, <laughs> oh, that's okay. And then I grab her grab her anyway yeah because we you know she's my mother-in-law she has to love me well I guess not um the theme of your book Mm. uh, a curious faith is God welcomes us into his love questions and all Mm. and I'm you know my web you may not know my website's welcomeheart.com so it Mm. it, you know when we say that God welcomes us warts and all we say that warts and all but questions Mm -hmm. and all that might give rise to questions in people's Mind, I think most would agree. This is my first question for you because I've got mm. tons and we may not get to all of them. Uh, I think most would agree there's no shame in asking questions. You hear that a lot, especially with youth leaders. Hey, no, no shame, ask any question. Um, we hear it a lot, yet I think that personally we can still feel shame, even though we say that or we hear it, when we question God, when yeah. we question God, or or when we question our faith or the Bible, especially, you know, that's like uh, sacrosanct, or what we were taught. Uh, Why do you think we still carry this shame? Can you answer that for me? I don't know that I can answer that for you, but I do think that um, we carry the shame because we weren't taught to be, we weren't, our questions weren't welcomed even as children in a lot of ways, you know, I've said this before, but it's like a, a parent who says to a child who asks, why is the sky blue? Because it is, or why can't we go to this friend's house? Because I said, so like, if we're, mm-hmm. if we're, if our, if our curiosity is met with that kind of incuriosity as children, I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I also think another part of it is that there is this sort of you know, the Bible said it, we believe it. It's, it's true kind of behavior in the church. And well, what happens if, what happens if we don't believe it? What do we do with that? What do we do when um, the formula that we are given for our life doesn't work out like we Mm -hmm. thought it would, or. So it's the fear of asking that they won't be answered. And then what do we do? It's like, if we ask this question, it's like falling off a cliff. And what if there isn't a curb? Yeah. What if promised? there isn't? Right. What, and I, I, I guess I would say, what if there isn't? What if there isn't something that's going to catch you when you step off that cliff? What if falling is um, the thing that will take you to Jesus? Um, what if, and I know that, again, I know that can sound trite, but I think that there's something beautiful that can happen on the journey down. Um, well, what I appreciate about your book is that you're vulnerable in it. I think mm-hmm. the book probably, I shouldn't say probably came from your own experience of asking questions and finding yeah. Jesus in the end. And mm-hmm. of course that's what Jesus wants. Yeah. And he, that's why he welcomes our questions. And sometimes we only come to Jesus through our questions. Yeah. Uh, is there a difference between no shame and asking questions, which is what you're purport, what you purport, and I agree with, mm-hmm. even of God, and is there a difference between that and questioning God's authority or sovereignty? Mm. It's a very good question. I would say um, I'm paid for that, but I don't get paid. 
<laughs> um, I think that questioning God's goodness or sovereignty or any of his attributes are necessary for us as believers at some point. Mm. I would say that we don't we don't need God's sovereignty until we are met with a need, you know, for God to be sovereign. We're not we don't really encounter God's goodness, like his goodness down deep until we're really face to face with a need to experience his goodness. Um or until we're in an experience we're in a circumstance where we don't feel his goodness and then we've got to wrestle with those questions. And so, um, I think they're both needed questions. Um, you asked, is there a difference between them? Well, sometimes, I mean, I think there's no shame in asking God questions. I totally agree with that. Psalms are my favorite and they are not written by nice people as Eugene Peterson said. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But there's a difference between that and and being facing off with God in a disrespectful or mm. like, like throwing, yeah, people do. They throw dirt at God's face and sometimes yeah. they come back around, but others just do it for the sake of, I don't want authority in my life. I want myself to run my life. And I guess I would say to someone who's in that position, um, I, I don't think that's probably working for them. Um, (laughs) I I wonder how well that's working for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I still think that the Lord is, is, um, to be found even in someone who is throwing dirt at God's face, they're still, they're not lost to God. And if questions are going to be the thing, even throwing dirt, as you said, at God's face, if that's going to be the thing that kind of unveils, um, their true narrative, the true thing that they believe about God and not the thing that they're taught to believe about God or have even said that they believe about God. But it actually, God doesn't want us to um, to give him our pretend self, you know? He wants yeah. our actual self. And if our actual self wants to throw dirt, um, I think that we have to trust that God is big enough and, and good enough and faithful enough. And that's why I love the book of Job because... Yes. God stands there and says, you know, you can throw anything you want at me, but where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I hung the stars? Um, and Job at the end of that says, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Like I, I gotta, I can't say anything to that. And I think we all have to come to that moment in some way. I love that. I love that. Thank you for, mm-hmm. for answering. I was a little afraid to ask you that question. No, no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling I don't have to be afraid to ask no, that question. I hope not. Um, no. Um, in my quest, because I feel God's given me a quest to, sh- uh, of, I guess you call it evangelism. I have been afraid mm-hmm. of somebody. Uh, I w- I've been afraid that somebody would ask me a question I couldn't answer. So, like, I need to be the answer woman uh, for for one thing because I'm a public speaker too. It's easier to speak from the platform because they're not raising their hand. Though I do like live Q and As, but uh, but one on one when it's a neighbor wrestling with the loss of a son or something like that. You know, why did God do that? Well, I don't know. That's where yeah. we trust His love. We trust His sovereignty. The story's not over yet. Yeah. Yeah, I I find it really interesting that Jesus uh, was asked a lot of questions in Scripture and did not answer 
most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we have to, we should be emulating him in that. Um, sometimes the best thing we can do is offer someone no answer, um, but mm-hmm. to let God himself be the answer. Yeah. We get in the way. Yeah. I don't want to get in the way. I've rather, I've learned, um, I've learned through experiences that sometimes it's best to sit in silence. Mm-hmm. That's when yeah. Job's friends were better friends. <laughs> you have three parts. That's a quote from my brother. Hyatt Moore, mm-hmm. my artist brother. So great. Um, you cover three parts or aspects of curiosity in your book. Number one, God's questions. Um, section two, questions we ask God, which I think people are really interested in that part. <laughs> and they expect answers. And section three, questions we wish people would ask us, which I found curious. That section. Mm-hmm. I liked how you said to ask questions is part of being made in God's image, which is always a comfort, I think. Mm-hmm. Because he, I say that about hospitality. When we invite someone, we are being like God because he invited us. So same thing. Yep. Uh, because he asked questions. But the difference is he knew all the answers or he knows all the answers uh, before he asked them. Now, do you see this? This is my question for you. Do you see this truth as yet another way to comprehend or understand the chasm between who God is and who we are? Mm-hmm. He knows the answers when he asks. Mm-hmm. We don't. Yeah. I think sometimes we can get this picture of God that he's just like, he, we're his plaything, you know, that he has the answers Capricious. and he's just, yeah, that he's mm-hmm. toying with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never, I don't believe that that is God's character and that's what he's doing. And so I never want to in any way communicate that. However, I think, you know, to go back to that illustration of a child who asks their parents, why is the sky blue? I think sometimes it would be helpful for a parent, instead of the parent simply telling them why the sky is blue, to say, I don't know, why do you think the sky is blue? Mm. And to maybe discover along with the child um, or help the child discover um, why the sky is blue it's not because they're being capricious. It's because they want to teach their children to be curious. They want to teach their children that there are answers. Mm. It just might take some work and time to get to them. Well, that reminds me of this whole concept of when we have to work it out, we actually learn it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I learned things when I went to school, but of course I can't remember any of them, but when I (laughs) learned through trials, when I learned through disappointments, when I'm disappointed with God, yeah. when I've asked him questions and I haven't gotten the answers, and then later I've worked it through, well, by his mercy, I'm not yeah. so smart. Um, that's when it's something that I relate to others with complete freedom yeah. because it's it's my truth, not that it's, I don't mean that it's my truth versus God's truth. It's something no, I've yeah. um, grown through my own experience and... Um, even my friend who lost a son that I saw last weekend, she is already getting so many opportunities to share mm-hmm. what God is teaching her through that, even when there's no answers to her questions. And that was interesting that you, you said that about, I don't believe that about God's character. Because my follow-up question is, how does that make you feel? That God knows the answers and yet he still asks us. Uh, one might view God as capricious 
it was my question, or playing with our emotions like a plaything, as you said, by asking something he already knows the answer to. So the bottom line, why does God ask questions? I think you answered it. Did you want to say anything more about that? Why does Okay. No, I mean, I think sometimes it's helpful for me to think of this. If you're in a restaurant and you order, um, I don't know, oysters. a beautiful steak, oysters, whatever, steak, yeah. I, oysters. I don't eat, eat either of those things. But <laughs> if you order that, you know it's coming or you know something good is coming mm-hmm. and you still wait for it. And there's there's still a waiter, there's a cook, there's a waiter, someone who's going to bring it to you. But it's going to take some time. And um, I think sometimes... Um, maybe that's not a perfect illustration, but sometimes I think of my relationship with the Lord in those seasons of waiting or those seasons of um, waiting for what he has promised me and what he hasn't, but that I want. Um, uh, I think of that as like, okay, I'm in like, I'm sitting at God's banqueting table and he is, um, he is bringing me himself. It just might take some time. Okay. Love that. Anything to do with food analogy helps me. <laughs> um, at first glance, I really, <laughs> I thought your book, so sorry to say this, but I thought your book was going to be an answer book, you know, like Mr. Bible mm-hmm. Answer Man, um, answering all the big questions. I thought, great, I don't have to read it. I can just hand it to someone here. You can get saved by watching, which they still can't. But that's <laughs> not what the book was about. <laughs> More people could get saved through this, actually about God and faith and answering, but that's not Mm -hmm. it. Tell us a bit of your journey as to why you wrote the book. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it was sort of the culmination of a couple things. Um, one, I realized I was a really, I almost prided myself on being a really good question asker. Um, but I did not allow myself to be asked questions by very many people because I was afraid of being vulnerable. And not only was I afraid of being vulnerable, to them, I was afraid of being vulnerable to God. Um, so that was why, one. Why, when God knows you so well and loves you so much? Oh, it's so hard to be seen, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, I'm not questioning your thing. I just thought I'd ask that. Yeah, so hard to be seen. So there was that. Um, I think another thing was um, just the realization that so many of my peers right now, um, millennial. Uh, Gen X, you know, the tail end of Gen X, people are just leaving the church in droves right now, not because they're not getting satisfactory answers to their questions, but because their questions aren't welcomed, period. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. And I I find that really sad to me um, because it's like you can't, it's not like we have to protect God. No, we don't have to protect God. And yet we often, as Christians, we often think we do. And so, yeah, I think those, those are some of the reasons that I, that I wanted to write a book where I didn't offer all the answers. Shucks. <laughs> but thank you for this great yeah. book. Um, I went through a major doubting period in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even tell my parents. They only know now because they're in heaven. <clears throat> and they're not too worried. <clears throat> no. But at the time, I shared the first time I just woke up thinking God didn't exist and maybe I was duped my yeah. whole life. And I was mm-hmm. in a very conservative, wonderful, small Christian school. So I had nothing to do with the school. And now I speak on it because I think it's so good for people to know it's okay to ask. Yes. But it scared the heck out of me. Yeah. And as an NF, I don't know if you know the Myers-Briggs, I have mm-hmm. to be genuine. And yeah. I felt so ungenuine or whatever that word is. 
Yeah. So I shared it with my best friend and she started doubting. So that made me think this is going to be a disease. I have to keep my mouth shut, Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't until I was able to ask some people I respected and they carried my questions so well that, that I was able to come through it. So I, um, I just think that voicing doubts mm-hmm. and questions is the first step back to a deeper faith. Do you agree? Uh, 100%. And I think finding people who will help you walk along with the questions instead mm-hmm. of giving you answers mm-hmm. is the first step back to, um, and that's t- to be clear, what I'm not saying is um, walking alongside people uh, who may may also have questions but don't have answers somewhere down there in the deep recesses and that's why i always say this is a book where i don't answer the questions the answer to the question is jesus um and so i'm going to walk along with you but i'm going to you know show you my cards ahead of time and the answer is jesus and so we do need people who will let us walk yeah uh, with profe- the questions my professor said to me when i told finally told him i had doubts and of mm. course, when I said it, my throat was all closed up like this because you don't want to cry, no. especially in front of a man, yeah. especially someone you admire and you feel such so much shame. shame. Yeah. And so I said this, Mr. Hills, I have doubts. That's mm. all I can get out. And he said, because he was an English teacher, he looked up in the sky, you know, before he answered and said, Sue, if... God is not big enough for our questions, then he's not a big enough God, is he? No. And then he just kept walking and he has no recollection of that conversation. And it made the entire difference in my life. Yeah. That idea. Yeah. Yeah. That whole idea. Right. Yeah. That idea of God being bigger than our questions and not being afraid of our questions really sets us free. Doesn't it? Totally. Totally sets us free to ask, um, I'm thinking someone today you're listening will go, wow, I didn't have any questions until I listened to this podcast, but I think that's okay. God's mm-hmm. big enough for you. Listen yeah. to me. Scripture says that faith is, oh, this question I had uh, for you, which is what mm-hmm. we're doing. Uh, faith is God's gift to us. It's somewhere in scripture. I can't mm-hmm. remember where. Have you ever asked God why he gives big faith to some and not so much to others? Mm-hmm. Or have you ever wondered why? Yeah. Seems unfair. I have wondered that a lot because I am not one of those with big faith (laughs) as evidenced by this book. Uh, I am someone who is, uh, I I think if there's a word, if there's a, you know, messy faith is my kind of faith. I'm, you know, I'm Jonah in the belly of the whale. I'm Jacob wrestling with God. I am Elijah wailing about being the only one left. <laughs> like I'm Jesus saying, you know, why have you fallen asleep on me? Um, not to say that I'm Jesus, but I'm just saying, I, totally I see myself it. in these characters <laughs> who, who just do not have clean, orderly, perfect um, apologetics and answers for all the hard things in the world. Um And some people, I think when I think of big faith, I think of almost simple, like childlike faith, Mm. but even child. And I think there's a quote from someone in my book where I say, um, or where, where the, the, the person says, uh, those, those who say that, um, our faith should be 
childlike and, and, and simple have never met any children because children are full of questions. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, because simple doesn't necessarily mean without questions. Um, but messy doesn't necessarily mean, um, without questions as well. So I think messy doesn't necessarily mean unloved or no, neither, neither do God. God loves the older brother and the younger brother. Yeah. God loves the Pharisee and the, the, um, the sinner. God love. Yeah. God's his love is expansive. Much more so than ours. And I love (laughs) it that all your chapters have to do with people in the Bible because people are so messy Mm -hmm. and people people who don't read the Bible or who have a bad taste in their mouth about Christianity, I think they throw the baby off of the bath, bath. You know, they throw the Christian. We're the ones who misrepresent yeah. God. But I think if they would just read it, they would see a bunch of wonky people and weary yeah. people and people who ask questions and who yeah. really mess up. I mean, Abraham was the man of faith and yet he really messed up. David yeah. was beloved by yeah. God, but he's really messed up. That's yeah. Oh, everyone, every single one comfort. of them. I, yeah. A great yeah. comfort to me. Yeah. As, as I mess up. Um, I did have a question. Do you think some Christians are just simply more trusting? Cause I gave my doubt story early on in a, in a girlfriend relationship and I just adore her. She's still a very good friend and a comfort mm-hmm. to me this week. Uh, she said, you know, she didn't condemn me at all when she heard it. She just said, you know, that's what makes a good friend. <laughs> they don't condemn you once they hear all the dirty laundry. She said, no, that never happened to me. I've never lost my faith. And mm-hmm. I thought that, hmm, hmm, is there something in our DNA where, where some people just doubt more than others? Yeah, I think, I mean, you brought the Myers-Briggs earlier. I think uh, I really think a lot about the Enneagram. I think some personalities yeah. uh, are just more given to skepticism more given to thinking instead of maybe acting. Um, and, uh, and I think making peace with those parts of our personalities is really important for us. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I used to think of doubt as sort of a disability. I used to think of it as sort of this mark against me. And now I think, wow, how much does God love me that he made me to be someone who wrestles deeply with these things and really has to grapple with the multi facets and multi layers of, of who he is. Um, because I think some people might see God as this sort of one dimensional God, but I Mm -hmm. see him as this like prism almost where there's so many different facets and the light that he reflects and the just who he is, is just so complex that I can't even wrap my mind around it most of the time. And I don't think I would have that perspective if I didn't struggle with my faith. That's not to say that someone who hasn't struggled with their faith doesn't also have a big vision of who God is. It just, for them, it, while mine is more sort of intricate and, uh, detailed, maybe theirs is just so grand and big and encompassing uh, so it's just a different view of the way that we see God. It doesn't and, mean that God is different. And God uses both. Yeah, God uses all, both for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you wrote the Bible is a permission slip for those with questions. Mm-hmm. That, that was a great image since I used to teach high school. Aww. And um, it's a permission slip. And I think 
Mm-hmm. I think to view the Bible that uh, as that, I mean, I see your book as that, but your Bible, mm-hmm. I mean, people love the Bible more than they mo- love God sometimes, which is wonky yeah. as well. Yeah. And if they see it as a permission slip to ask questions, uh, I just think that gives so much freedom. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I used questions from the Bible, mm-hmm. um, that I didn't just sort of take questions that I have about faith and sort of answer them through scripture. It's why I took, you know, the questions that God asks, you right. know, to Adam and Eve in the garden, where are you? Um, what have you done? Who told you that? Uh, these sort of questions that they exist in scripture and therefore we should be able to grapple with them. Mm. And um, that's, that's why I said the Bible is a permission slip for our questions, because I think there are so many questions in scripture voiced by everyone. Why do you say living the questions led me not to an unstable expanse? Instead, it led me to more surety and stability than I'd ever had before. Explain that. Yeah. I think that we tend to think that asking a question, we we tend to, you know, we're human. So we envision the other side of that question. You know, are you real God? What if we get to the other side of it and we quote, discover he's not real. Right. Like, what if that happens? That's terrifying. Um, And I think it can be really terrifying for someone who grew up in the church to ask that question. Yes. Um, The argument I want to make is what if asking that question is is the necessary equation for you getting to a place where you actually believe God exists and is good and is faithful? Um, What if you cannot believe that is true about God if you're not asking the question. Mm. So I, I, I do think it is, I use the word gamble in the book, but I think that's what faith is, right? Faith oh, is saying, totally. I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to step into it anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's what I meant. I just was, maybe this came from reading your book this week, but just yesterday I wrote down, um, there's mm-hmm. that bumper sticker, life, life is hard and then you die. Yeah, and then I I said life is hard, and then you take the next step, and you take the next step, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, and then you hope what God said is true, and then you die. Yeah, and you find out it it was it was true. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought you know because people say, well, you're doubting God if you're saying you're not sure it's true, but it, that's what faith is. It's hope. Yeah. It's hope against hope, and yeah, and I'd rather hope. I'd rather hope gives you, yeah, like you said, how's that working for you? Not so great, but I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so many mm-hmm. things we can talk about, but we have to move on. All right. Um, your first section, God's questions, I think is incredibly powerful. I wrote lots of mm-hmm. notes. My favorite chapter was number five until I read chapter seven, and then it was 11, and then it was chapter 13. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Which you. of God's questions has meant the most to you? Hmm. Can you read them down one no, more time? No, I can't. Oh, all the different chapters? <laughs> Just the, the, the... Oh, my the question. Demon. I think I, what's in your hand, Yes, probably. that was the one. Is that chapter seven? I can't or five. It, might it be doesn't five. matter what number. It doesn't matter what number. Yeah, I, I think... That was so good. Mm, yeah, I think that's probably the one that really... It's Moses. 
Yeah, Moses, he's by the burning bush. God is saying, you know, I want you to go down to Egypt and set my people free. And Moses said, ah, who am I? You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm a man slow of speech. And, and God says, what's in your hand? And what's in his hand is there because so many things have gone wrong in Moses's life. Um, it's a staff. And the only reason the staff is in his hand is because he was fleeing um, his homeland and, um, because he was a murderer because he had murdered, mm-hmm. um, he was taken from the rushes and reeds as a baby. He was raised in a, a kingdom that wasn't his kingdom, not from, not with his people. And yeah, so many things had just gone wrong in his life. And that staff was there because, because of that. And, you know, if he, if, if things had gone right, he would have been a stonemason in Egypt, right. Mm-hmm. If they had gone quote, right. <laughs> um, uh, and so he I love a slave. Is that what you mean? A slave? Stone yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, stone. He would have been building pyramids. A, yeah. A slave in Egypt building pyramids. Um, the son of, is it Jehovah? Um, anyway, I just think that's such a powerful question to ask. Like for me, you know, I, I tend to feel, you know, imposter syndrome or things like that, where I'm like, ah, what, what qualifies me for doing this or saying that or doing, going here or writing this book or any of those things. And I think oftentimes what qualifies me is that is, is maybe what the world would see as disqualifying. And so for me, doubt is a, is that in a big way? Uh, I think the church disqualifies a lot of people who doubt a lot of people who struggle with their faith. And for me, that has been a place of immense healing and goodness and friendship with the Lord and friendship with people mm-hmm. too, because yeah, I think it welcomes them. Yeah. It, it makes a place for them. Mm-hmm. So I t- I was just telling a friend the other day, I, I think sometimes it's hard because our house is never the party house. It's the funeral house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean that both literally and figuratively. It is the place where people come when they're crying, not the place where they throw birthday parties. But the underlying sense is that you are celebrating. You're celebrating God's love. Mm, yeah, them. that's true. This yeah. same friend that I just saw, her husband was telling me a story how they've gotten to know their neighbors better. And he says, we've become the bereavement party house. Their backyard is like a hotel. I mean, really, because she likes to garden. I'm an accidental yeah. gardener. It's an accident if it grows. But she, I really appreciate the beauty they have there. Yeah. But she said, yeah, a neighbor said, look, I'm supposed to give a funeral dinner. My mother just died. I don't know what to do. And she goes, let me help you. Mm-hmm. And so she did. And then it was in their backyard. And now, he, now Steve was saying, we are doing this all the time yeah. and because they have an older neighborhood. And I thought, wow, yeah. what a beautiful way to host. Mm. God would want us to host. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah. I love, I love what you're doing too. In, se- in section two, you have a chapter on anger. Mm. Uh, your favorite character is Jonah. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> character. <laughs> the character I identify most with is, is Jonah. Uh, yeah. Why is it easier? I love this part. Why is it easier to make our lives small? Mm. It's safer, I think. Safer. Feels safer. It's not safer, but it feels safer. Yeah, it feels safer. Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Since yeah, I think um 
yeah, I mean, if you, if you put yourself into a four by four area for the rest of your life, instead of a hundred acre area for the rest of your life, it's going to feel safer, but, um, eventually that four by four is going to feel more like a prison than a pasture. And, um, I think Jonah just kept saying no for a lot of reasons, but one is he wanted to make his life smaller. He didn't want to do the things that God was asking him to do. And, um, I find it really ironic that God put him in the belly of a fish for three, <laughs> three days, like really talk about small. being in yeah <laughs> contained spaces. Um, oh dear. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think part of it for me, cause I love speaking about and living and reading and praying Ephesians 320 mm-hmm. now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think mm-hmm. according to the power of Christ in the church. And then I say that to people, young people, and they'll say, but God hasn't answered my prayer. Yeah. And that's when they turn their back on God because he did. I mean, I know a young person that he goes, oh yeah, I turned away from God in high school when he didn't make, let me be the pitcher on the high school baseball team. Now that's a small request. God could have done it. Yeah. And yet that turned him away until he was older. I find that most of the things that we think God has promised us are not things that God has promised us in his word. They're things that we want really, really badly. And maybe they're even good things. Of course. Um, I think for us, children have been one of those things marriage for me before we married, married a little late. And, um, that was one of those things where, you know, I wanted it, but that didn't mean God promised it. And that realization is really, really hard to face. I think because we live in a really, for better or for worse, we live in a church that, or we're in a church culture that treats God more like karma than, Mm -hmm than the sovereign God of the universe. Um, so, you know, we do the right things and we'll God get the right through. things back. Yeah. We'll get the yeah. things we, we like want. Like there's a formula. Yeah. And, and that's God just not, not formulaic. No, that's just not God. So mm. what keeps you going back to God in spite of disappointments? Mm. I think I would just say like, to whom else can I go? Which is another question. Yeah, I think. Where else would we go, Lord? (laughs) Yeah, I I haven't found anything else, really, that satisfies. You write about despair, and of course, we love Anne of Green Gables at our Mm -hmm. home, so I totally identified. When we feel like God has turned his back on us, which is your definition of despair, and I, I really sense that is true that that's a real definition. Um, If there's someone listening to this podcast today that you and I will never meet Mm -hmm. on this earth who feels this despair, maybe he hasn't even admitted it to anyone or even to themselves. I think it's a scary thing to admit that you think Mm -hmm. God has turned his back on you, not because you've sinned, but because you feel ignored Mm -hmm. by him and unanswered. Do you have any comfort to offer them today? Mm -hmm. I'm just feeling sad with that person for a minute because I've been there. Um, I 
I don't know if this is comfort, but I just want to, if I were there, I would just want to sit with you and um, God hasn't turned his back on you, but I know it feels like that. And, and so I just want to say, that's okay. That's okay that it feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to sit with you in that for a little while. Um, because I don't think the answer that God hasn't turned his back on you really suffices in a moment like that. Um, I think what we need in those moments is the embodied presence of uh, God himself, Jesus, the incarnate God. Um, That reminds me of your section on injustice where we won't necessarily fix everything, but we wait on the God who sees and Mm -hmm. will. And it is a spiritual warfare thing. Yeah, It is something that uh, the best thing you and I can do for a friend who feels that way is to sit with them. Yeah. Um, Which I literally got, I learned this literally uh, when I was single and a friend was visiting who had just had her boyfriend leave her. And Mm -hmm. she came, I was fixing her breakfast. She's a foodie even more than I am. And so I was trying to fix her good breakfast for comfort. You know, comfort food is literal. Mm -hmm. And she came out of my guest bedroom with a quilt wrapped around her shoulders. I'll never forget this. And she just sat down on my kitchen floor. Mm -hmm. And I had to stop cooking. Yeah. And just sit by her. And I couldn't say a thing, Lori, because yeah. there was nothing to say other than he's such a chump and he'll come back with to you. Because I didn't think he would. Yeah. You know, and that's somewhat somewhat despair. And um, and I thought later, well, that's all she needed. Yeah. Besides scrambled eigs and pancakes. But yeah. <laughs> he needed me to yeah. shut up and sit. And yeah. uh, what you just did, even those few quiet moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure blessed, blessed people. Um, when I read that C.S. Lewis quote, our problem is not that we expect too much, but that we expect too little. Mm-hmm. This goes back to that last question, but God doesn't always do what I expect. So what do you think he meant by that? That we expect too little. Then I think, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to do great things for God. You know, Bob Goff, I love Bob Goff. Big dreams. I go, mm-hmm. well, big dreams because if I have a really big dream and he doesn't want it for me you know maybe it's just like it's kind of like you know self-serving religion I don't want that it's a waste of my time yeah but I do want to expect great things from God but maybe my definition of what's great not maybe is different from God's yeah I think that's oftentimes our definition of what is good or best or um better is often not God's definition I really love the book of Hebrews because you know, every single section is this is better. God, like this, this is, is better. This is better. This is better. And even better than that, this is better. And <laughs> That's um, and I really love that because you know, the book of Hebrews is written to the Hebrew people mm-hmm. who have built, they have staked their life on these things being true. Right. The, the mediation, the law, like all of these things are the tr- the truest of the true things. Jesus is better. And yeah, and not I, only that, Lori, they not only believe that's foundational to their lives, mm-hmm. reaching God by doing all those things. Yeah. So it's really, you're not only taking away the foundation, it's, you're it's taking the ways away, and the means, the ways and the means, right? Yep. 
Uh, and of course that would just shock them to their very toes. Yeah. yeah. And it, I, I think it should, because yeah. I think the, the goodness of the gospel is both more um, accessible and simple than we can imagine and more complex and majestic than we can imagine. It's both. Say that again, please. Oh, goodness gracious. Don't make me say things twice. The gospel, I'm the same way. The gospel is more accessible and simple than we can imagine and more complex and majestic. I love that word. Majestic, majestic. yeah. Always think of a theater, the majestic theater. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, um, I didn't grow up with a lot of majesty in my church and I always love it when I see it. I do too. You just go I to the Grand too. Canyon, you'll get it. But I, yeah, I live a little ways, but I can go to the ocean and get it. Yeah. You know, but I'd rather go get fish and chips while I'm at the ocean. So that's kind of where my brain is. <laughs> you also live in California. There's I do like live in California. 27 <laughs> <laughs> national parks there, isn't there? I have no idea, but I love everyone I'm in. So, yeah. And I love, um, I love my town too. Hmm. Um, this week I was disappointed with God and I was able to say it because I was reading your book hmm. and I wrote it to a close friend and she, she's, I, she said, why? And I, and she didn't say it in a judgmental fashion. Otherwise mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't feel free. She said, um, I just so wanted God to do a miracle. I had to go back to my text before I wrote this down. That's why I said to her, I, I sounded like a whiny child, but I just so wanted God to do a miracle because I know he's capable of miracles because I can list off miracles in my life. Even one this morning when I thought our interview was Monday and it was today, that's a miracle yeah. that I saw that on my calendar and praise the mm -hmm. Lord. Cause I didn't want to be humiliated. Uh, that was so nice of God. Mm -hmm. um, um, and this is how she responded. Cause I said, I so wanted God to do a miracle. She wrote back. He is. is. Yeah. Wasn't that so precious? Yeah. That was yeah. so precious. That that's kind of how you ended the book. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, you, you write this, one of the most difficult parts of faith is getting honest about what we really want from God. Why is yeah. that? Why are we so clueless? That's what I'd like to say. <laughs> um, I think we're clueless. I think we're afraid. We've been told no too many times, mm -hmm. you know. We've been told no to things that are good for us. We've been told no to things that are bad for us. We've been told no to things that we want. Um, yeah, we've been told no a lot. And so it's really hard to, to get honest, um, to be vulnerable. And um, I mean, vulnerability is hard anyway, but especially when we've been told no. And yeah. hurt. And, and I away. think, yeah, and I think what we oftentimes Im impose our um, human ideas of who God is, our ideas of who God is um, from the humans in our lives. So we think God looks like our earthly parents or God looks like our earthly pastor, um, but they're just shadows of who God is. Um, and sometimes not very good ones. And sometimes not very good ones. I tell, I and, like to say that our if we had an accurate view of who God is and who we are, oh, we couldn't. the world's problems would be mitigated at least. <laughs> it's true, but we also couldn't hand, you know, we couldn't we see God's it. glory. Um, oh no, that's yeah. true. Um, you end the book. I love how you conclude it. God is not interested in followers with all the right answers or even the right questions. Isn't that a comfort? Mm. He wants us to ask the questions, whatever questions we want 
to lead us right to the locus of his love. And it's, it kind of like, you know, back in the seventies, before you were born, uh, everything was about, we were very afraid of hippies because they were asking really uh, strong questions of the mm -hmm. adults. And I was kind of, I was in high school and I was afraid of them. And it was us versus them a lot, but they were saying love is the answer. And that's because they finally realized that's what they needed. Yeah. And so many churches couldn't handle how they looked. So they forgot to show them that they had the answer. Yeah. So, and I, I'm a little tired of church bashing because I go to a good church, but it's not perfect. It's family. Yeah. But, um, but I think if we just remember that love is the answer, that they yeah. were right, even though they looked funny, you yeah. know, and they drove vans with curtains in the windows and um, things my mother was afraid of. So um, <laughs> we survived. And yet the yeah. answer is still there. And the answer is Jesus because he is love. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've let, we've let others sort of co-op the definition of love and the what definition. Do mean, what of, do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, I just, we're, again, it's like um, C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, we're making mud pies in the dirt. And when there's a, when there's a, a vacation at sea available to us, we're, we're defining love by our feelings or mainly our feelings. We're defining love by attraction. We're defining love by doing what we want to do and feeling a sense of elation or pleasure, chemical, yeah. whatever. Um, instead of what? Instead of God's love, which is, um, um, expansive and holistic and, um, never ending and much more complex than our love is. Um, it's unconditional, uh, and it's sacrificial, sacrificial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's your legacy? This is a legacy mm. podcast. Yeah. It can be a process dear. It's okay. Yeah. You're, you're very young. I'm young. I'm young. <laughs> um, and you understand what I mean by legacy. It's something that we're yeah. giving now, not after we die. Yeah. Okay. Not everybody gets it. So I have to explain. No, I think, okay, I think if there, if there was anything that I would want to be, if there's anything that I'm sort of living up to, it's that I want to live down. I want to live a faithful life. I want to live, um, an earthy life. What do you mean? I, I don't want to be an impressive person. I don't want to be, um, I just want to be faithful. I really want to be a faithful person, faithful to what God has put in front of me, uh, each and every day. And maybe that sounds simple, but I've, I've tasted of, of bigger things and that's not for me. So, um, yeah, I just want to be someone who is, content and happy to live a pretty small life small not in the way of a small box four by four no not in that not in that way i mean small in the sense of um um you know thessalonians like live a quiet life and work with your hands i want to live a quiet life i want to do the things that he's given me to do and See, my husband should have married you I guess <laughs> that's his life. And I so benefit from mm. when my lifestyle has to shrink a little bit mm. to honor him and to be with him 
And then I go, oh, this is how he lives. It's so peaceful. Mm. On the other hand, I love what you say about a surrendered life, because in the morning when I give my life to God, I'm always so surprised and gratified by the end of the day. It had nothing to do with my to-do list, yeah. but everything to do with his. Yeah. It's so much freedom and people interrupt me, but not, of course, they're not interruptions. It's like, wow, I had a chance to walk alongside that person or yeah. listen to them and, and be encouraged. Yes, I was so encouraged by a friend who came over to help me with a tech issue. And, and yes, I fed her homemade cake, but the deal was she told me a story that was such an encouragement. Mm -hmm. To see God had that all worked out like thousands yeah. of years ago. Um, how are you living your faithfulness to him each day? Your legacy? Oh, um, I mean, not, I think it goes I'm back to that question. I'm not perfect at it. I'm not yeah, saying. I'm definitely not perfect <laughs> at it. Uh, I think it goes back to that question, what's in your hands? I think, you know, for example, we're, we're in our 40s. We don't have children. And for a long time, I think, I think we looked at our peers and we thought, Oh, that's what faithfulness is this kind of harried, hurried life that they were living with their young ones and going to soccer and dance and all these things and living in communities with the best schools. And mm -hmm. I think what we realized is we don't have children and we don't, that's, we're trying to live someone else's life by living that same sort of busy, you know, um, life in, in, suburban neighborhoods and things like that. That's just not for us. And so I have to ask, what is in my hand? What is, what has God given me to do? And he's, he's given me a really wonderful husband and a home that we've been gutting and renovating for two years. And only two, um, we've done 13 and we're still, so <laughs> call me, honey, call me yeah. anytime. I'll show you. Go ahead. Yeah. So I just, uh, writing, um, speaking to people like you, um, that is what I'm, I'm doing. And I, I don't have a lot of like high aspirations for more than mm. that. That's called contentment. I, I hope it's contentment. Sometimes it's, um, probably laziness, but I was going to say yeah. laziness, but I don't know you that well to say that. Well, I'm an Enneagram nine, yeah. so <laughs> it's probably laziness, but can you tell I, I'm a seven? Um, <laughs> What obstacles or challenges do you face to mm. carry out that daily commitment and committed faithful small life? Small Man, I mean, I face it every single day because it is really tough to be a writer in the world today. Because? Because, you know, my co-laborers, not all of them, obviously, but um, publishers, readers, editors, they want people who are making a splash and it's really hard to push back against the splash. So I'll do um, my best to splash you around. <laughs> uh, thanks. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I really have to fight to say like, that's not, and I, I'm, I, I am not saying I have, I figured that out. It's really hard. It's really hard, especially in seasons like this where I've just released a book and I want to be faithful to, talk about it and get it into the hands of people. But yeah, that's a challenge for me every day. Well, I appreciate the time that you've given me. Mm -hmm. This has been longer than usual because I wanted to ask you all those questions. Um, so our last question for the Legacy Podcast is how do you embody God's welcoming heart? Mm -hmm. I can tell you how, but I'd like to hear your answer. <laughs> <laughs>
I think when I think of our home, when I think of our table, and I think even of our own, my husband and I, the way that we tend to be with people, I think there's a spaciousness about it. I hope that there's a spaciousness about it. In what sense? Yeah. Um, I I think we kind of move out of the way, I, I think. And we kind of let their agenda be the agenda. And sometimes that's really hard. Um, but I have found that to be maybe our, maybe our unique, the pairing of the two of us, the unique way that we can serve the Lord. Um, yeah, I think maybe, I don't know if that answers your question. Well, I like it. Yeah, it does answer my question. I was also going to add though, to your spaciousness Mm. is that you invite questions. Mm. You invite vulnerability. Yeah. I didn't mean literally hospitality. <laughs> I need to clean up my question. <laughs> but by inviting uh, people's honesty, you mm. you do it by you being honest. So yeah. your very life is showing off or displaying Thank you. the welcoming heart of God. And that's all God asks mm. is to reflect him. Thank and you. you're doing a great job. Thank you. That's that means a lot to me. I received that. Oh, goody, you should. I'm good at that. I'm calling that out in you because you need the encouragement. And I'm a writer mm-hmm. too, and I just don't like to hold still because I'm, an, I'm a seven. So it might have other <laughs> issues. Thank you so much for your time today. And everybody get this book. How can people find you? I haven't even mentioned your links or anything. Where's the best place to find you? Um, you can find me at lauriewilbert.com. Uh, my name is spelled L-O-R-E, um, lauriewilbert.com. And um, yeah, I'm writing there. Uh, you and can find sayable. me. Don't you have sayable as well? I do. I have sayable.net. I'm, I'm sort of migrating from sayable over to Lori Wilbert, okay. but most of my archives are on sayable and you can read 20 years of writing there if you'd like. Wow. You started it when you were three. Thank you so much, my dear. <laughs> and God bless you. Appreciate Thank you. It. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.